hay nada más que hacer Pura vida, pura vida Dejar atrás lo que hemos sido y empezar a ser Pura vida, pura vida Cada día nos ofrece un nuevo amanecer Pura vida, pura vida Aún nos quedan muchas cosas por agradecer en el noroeste, el viento sopla suave, la vida me abanica, yo quiero ser su huésped, tumándome en el césped, mirando las estrellas, se dice que formamos parte de ellas, de donde venimos, a donde vamos, All right, this is it, this is episode 13, Lucky 13, the Lingaholics, we're back in town, back, uh, back at it, uh, another pod Sunday, uh, fun guest today, this is Ian here, uh, back in my classroom, it's kind of like, I like recording here. A uh, little football in the background. Uh, it's nice. Uh, fun weekend. Fun weekend. Was hanging out with Cody earlier. Marcus, we were chatting with you. And we got your buddy today. But um, yeah, man, it's been a fun language week. Uh, the Polyglot Conference is happening. That's a 10-day online event this year. And uh, me and Cody already watched a few talks yesterday. And super fun. But that's going to be for a future episode, talking about that. And today, yeah, let's just go around the horn here. Let's go 100 kilometers uh, out west. Cody, the new microphone. What's up, buddy? You're Canada represent today. Yes, yeah, I finally got a new microphone here. And uh, yeah, it's, as I'm good. Yeah, we, uh, we had a fun time out in Strathmore. Um, we were with our friend Alejandro and just had a good time out there Friday night. And yesterday had a friend's birthday, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I guess, uh, yeah, I think I'm doing pretty good. Doing yeah, pretty yeah. well. Yeah. How about you guys? Teaching, teaching, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so um, first of all, I literally just came back to Barcelona. I've been up in. Did you, in, just, did you just get back? I just got back 15 minutes ago. Nice. <laughs> I, was, I was up in. I was up in Cerdania, which is a region uh, in the uh, Pyrenees in northern Catalonia, right on the border to, to France, essentially. Yeah, nice. So I've been, uh, <laughs> I've been up, I've been up um, buscando bolets. Bolets? <laughs> bolets is uh, setas, so mushrooms. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, hang, hanging out with my Catalan tios, mis tios, tios catalanes. <laughs> anyway so yeah it's been good but i just got back so so um yeah that's fun but anyway i'm gonna go ahead and introduce our guest yes. for today so mac yes, yes, yes. hello hello it's good. it's good to see you again man i'm gonna let you introduce yourself but but first sure. of all to give you give you some context uh mac and i met down in costa rica in 2018 i i actually worked for you mm-hmm. at um at your eco hostel you run an eco hostel or or what would you call it yeah, it's, we call it's an eco retreat center. We're kind of moving away from the hostel vibe and moving more towards running retreats. Right, right. So I worked at your eco retreat center in Costa Rica uh, for three weeks, I think. Yeah, three weeks. Something was that, like all? that Oh, man, I thought you were there for or a Maybe long. it was four weeks. Maybe it was four weeks. Okay. I don't remember. I don't remember exactly. But I was down there. And the thing is, when I went down to Costa Rica, I was because I didn't speak Spanish back then. That's right. I remember, you, and I, was, I remember you learning. I remember you studying. Exactly. So I was super stoked about uh, learning and speaking Spanish. And mm-hmm. uh, you were the first person there from, from the United States or from, from the Western world that um, spoke Spanish well. So you were a huge inspiration uh, to me when I, when, I, when I just started. And you wow. gave me some, some really good um, 
tips and some really good material. Uh, tips and tricks. Yeah, those Pimsler classes. Yeah, they're That's very cool. very helpful. Yeah, cool. yeah. <laughs> so I've been doing that. I've been doing that for a bunch of other languages now because I realized how how useful they are. So I've been doing awesome. it in French. I've been doing it in French uh, and Portuguese. And a little bit awesome. of Russian as well. <laughs> Just, Whoa, you know, okay. dabbling, playing, playing around. A dabble, a little dabble. Yeah, cool. Dabbling. Yeah, I'm anyway, interested, Mac, I'm th- I'm interested yeah. in hearing just, your adventures in language. And, and oh, for sure, for see sure. What you've, see what you've learned, yeah. Anyway, I was, uh, I'm going to throw it over to you and let you introduce yourself. And uh, sure. tell us also about your, your language adventures and, and what languages you speak. Sure thing. Um, so, um, Mac, I'm 40 years old. I was born and raised in Texas, um, and I studied. I studied. I wasn't terribly interested in languages growing up. I studied Spanish, like in school. You know, grow, growing up in Texas, there was a big Hispanic influence, so we all took Spanish classes and stuff. But it never really stuck. I wasn't terribly interested until I got to college my first year in university I went traveling I took a backpacking trip across Europe and met a girl from Montreal a French-speaking girl from Montreal in Barcelona actually totally (laughs) fell head over heels in love with her in like the first hour that I met her you know um it was a very short-lived just a couple months kind of fling I actually flew once we both got back home we were young super I was 19 she was like two or three years younger than me at the time um I actually flew up to live uh, to stay with her for like two weeks or so at her parents house didn't speak a word of French but I was so into her and um and sort of that first backpacking trip in Europe sparked this interest for me in, in other cultures and languages and stuff. So I immediately enrolled in French classes and I majored in French at university um, and ended up studying, like spending one semester abroad in France and, um, and just really kind of fell in love with it. Um, and then again, like, kind of lost interest in languages for a while, almost 10 years. And then when I was in my early thirties, um, my, one of my buddies showed me the Pimsleur classes and I felt it like rekindled this passion for, for learning languages. And so I picked up all the French that I had lost really fast mm-hmm. um, and then went beyond my university level pretty quickly. And then from there, just, you know, kind of how, you know, I went, oh man, this is so great. Spanish came way easier now after mm-hmm. I already had French down. And then for, and really those, I'm kind of, I know you guys are doing the, you know, polyglot thing and I, I really only speak <laughs> three languages. So I don't know if I quite qualify as a polyglot. Hey, that's good. That's, that's kind of what I do. Close enough. All right. But, and I've studied some Italian and, uh, and some German and, it's pretty amazing once once you have the first couple of languages down, then the others, especially if they're related languages, mm-hmm. start coming pretty quickly. So with just a couple of months of study, I was able to communicate in Italian and German and stuff. And of course, have lost it now because it's been years since I've practiced. This them. is something that Ian and I were actually talking about on Friday night, uh, just like building that scaffolding. Yeah, yeah I was talking about it. Well, I was Marcus talking too. about it. I was talking about that with you. So, so here's basically the thesis of that argument. So when you already, let's take the romance languages, for example. So Mac, yeah. I'm currently right now dabbling in Catalan. I was just up with, with three Catalan dudes speaking, mostly Castellano, Tios. but a little bit of Catalan as well. 
because cool. I, I told them that I'm very I'm, I'm excited about languages and that I want to try to learn Catalan. So obviously uh, they listen to that and they, they speak Catalan to me all the time. Uh, and then every once in a while we go over to Castellano because, you know, I'm, I'm still I just started a month ago. So it's still hard for me to express myself. But it's yeah. fairly easy to understand Catalan because it's, it's Roma's language. Yeah. As you know, if you already speak one or two, it's really easy to pick up a third. Totally. Uh, so my point, the argument that I, were, that I was going to get to was that once you already have, because I feel like you already have the scaffolding in my brain, like the structure for Catalan, I kind of just have to fill in the gaps, right? It's like filling in the puzzle pieces. Like I don't have to, un to, to, to learn the way the language works. I only really have to learn the, the, like the small details, the peculiarities, and then just fill in the gaps for all the words. Yeah. right if that makes any sense yeah because it's it so similar it's it so similar to spanish sense. yeah absolutely um in fact on a similar note when i started so i got down french and spanish first and then i started studying italian and it was amazing to me that almost everything that that i was learning in italian i could quickly relate to something mm -hmm. in french or spanish the reference right the there was yeah, a reference exactly. yeah both from um, uh, both structurally and just linguistically, like linguistically. The, the words themselves. So yeah, mm -hmm. I like your idea about the scaffolding. Parlarle. Parlarle. <laughs> Parlarle. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I was making the argument to our friend AJ. <laughs> okay, like I was just like, you know Portuguese. Mm. I told him this is like Cody's talking about a little. Yeah, because he's, he's like, Mexico. no, I don't. Yeah, he's fine. He's like, no, I don't. I was like, Yes, you do. Like, you just have to kind of look at it, look at the structures, but it, you see how verbs are conjugated, like so much overlap in the vocab. Pronunci pronunciation might be the biggest uh, area where like, if you are dabbling in these similar languages where you got to like, um, be like a little more careful. So your conversation's not bleeding, your pronunciation's mm -hmm. not bleeding over. Yep. But in terms of this scaffolding, right, man, you just use it like as a hacking tool to get into the next language. Mm -hmm. And what I've discovered too is like, yeah, definitely within a language family, but then even say something like Ukrainian to learn, like the verb conjugations are like exactly like a romance language with like the first really? person, second person, oh, third person. Okay. So then it's got like crazy cases that mm -hmm. it's something different, but that said, like even that Euro, uh, Indo-European language family that, mm -hmm. yeah. So I, like I always say the scaffolding, knowing one language, like uh, knowing Spanish before French or vice versa. It's just, it's just a cheat code mm -hmm. and a good cheat code to, to get yeah. into all the other ones. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking yeah, of cheat codes, um, in, at our place in Costa Rica right now, we have um, our manager is um, Brazilian. So she speaks Portuguese. Mm. Yeah. And I can tell by the way, I've never actually met her in person because of COVID and stuff. But um, when we talk on the phone, I can I can kind of tell that she hasn't really even studied Spanish, but she right. but she speaks it and using like she's often using Portuguese words and stuff, but she's just kind of like guessing, and we're able to communicate really well in Spanish, and it's kind of, it's kind of amazing, and her pronunciation is all kind of messed up and she's <laughs> yeah, using yeah. the wrong words and stuff, but the structure, like you say, the scaffolding is so similar. Yeah. that we're able to communicate that's so funny that's like that's exactly what i do when especially when i'm speaking french because 
uh, my French isn't as good as my my other languages, but I like like half the words I say. I swear, I'm just like guessing, <laughs> and like a lot of the time I'm right. So it's like it's a, it's a good strategy when you're learning a language that's like similar to one that you already know. Yeah, that's awesome. In fact, Michelle Thomas is another program that uh-huh. I really love good. From. Yeah, and he says um, guess at guess at nouns or guess at words, but never at structure. Says, mm-hmm. and I and I really found that found that helpful once you get the structure down then you can guess the words and you'll get feedback like what what is it what mm-hmm. is that okay try again you know? right yeah you kind of use yeah, that in- cool. intuition mm-hmm. yeah for example i have a good example of this so in in catalan all the adverbs so mm-hmm. for example in spanish exactamente yeah in catalan they cut off the ente and just say exactamente and that translates to basically every word. So you can say, instead of normalmente, you say normalmen. Mm-hmm. Exactamen. Com- completamente. <laughs> completamente. Exactamente. So, so, so that's, I feel like that's a good example of, of that. Yeah, amazing. So, but Mac, Mac, do you want to tell us a little bit more about what you got going on in Costa Rica right now? And, and sure. um, the different opportunities for learning languages that that brings? Yeah, you mean for me personal for yeah, because I know yeah, because because w- when I was down there with you, you were going back and forth between Spanish, French, English all the time. Oh, oh right, 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 right. Yeah. So we had so um, well, our our volunteer program has been you know shot. It's dead because of COVID. So we don't have any more travelers, many more travelers coming to visit us these days. But we did have a pretty strong volunteer program where we'd have like. 10 to 15 volunteers from around the world who were coming to live with us for around a month or so, like you did Marcus. And um, so most of, most of them were like Western Europeans. Um, So we got, like you said, lots of Spanish speakers. Of course, we're in Costa Rica where the, where the national language is Spanish. Um, Lots of French speaking people, which was a surprise to me. Lots of French Canadians. It's Costa Rica, for whatever reason, is a really popular destination for Quebecers. Um, And so, so yeah, it was really great for me to get to practice and learn all of these languages that I was interested in. And kind of the, one of the reasons that I wanted to do this project in Costa Rica was was for this very reason. Like I'd spent a lot of my, you know, youth kind of traveling around the world and, and stuff like that. It's really expensive. I thought, why don't I kind of build a place where people come to me? And so I get the good, you know, <laughs> a lot of the good part about traveling, which is just meeting people from around the world and learning from them and sharing experiences. And so, um, and so, yeah, just like you say, Marcus, so you've got people like, so half of my day or, or I'm dividing up my day between, you know, English and, and French and Spanish and Italian for a little while. We had some Italians who were there that I got to, you know, practice with. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Can I That's just so jump cool, in and make a side yep. note here? Sure. I just, <laughs> so it's something funny that you mentioned that you met a lot of like French Canadians and uh, did you meet a lot of like English speaking Canadians too? Yeah, but I think more French Canadians than than English speaking. Okay. That's like, so this is something that's amazed me. Like just throughout my travel is like, I don't know why this is, but I've always met like such a disproportionate amount of Canadians whenever I go abroad. I don't understand why. Cause there's only 40 million of us. And like, (laughs) like for example, at the school I was teaching at in China, like at one point, almost half the teachers were from Canada. I was like, how (laughs) is that a thing? Right. Yeah. 
And it's, it's tough to tell too, because I might not always know, like if I meet an English speaking Canadian, if I don't talk to them for very long and stuff, I, I won't know if they're Canadian or American, you know, right. you know what I mean? Cause the accent sometimes isn't enough to tell the difference, but mm-hmm. I, but yeah, as far as I could tell, it seemed to be, again, a disproportionate amount of French Canadians would come yeah. to see us. Yeah, it's weird. And in fact, so just an hour south of us, there is like a whole French Canadian sort of expat community <laughs> just about an hour from us. So that's pretty cool. That's interesting. Another thing that's interesting is that you don't get a lot of Americans, do you? You mostly get um, Europeans, right? Yeah, we get we get a lot of Americans, but we do get more Europeans than Cause, Americans. Because that's something I, d- I did a couple other uh, volunteering positions. And we only had Europeans at all the places. Wow. Essentially. So, so wow. Europeans definitely get around more than, than North Americans in general. Yeah. I feel. That's I feel. great. I don't know why that is exactly. Yeah. Probably That's a combination I like it. of factors. Yeah, yeah. But that works for me because when I leave the States to go traveling, I don't really want to meet other <laughs> Americans. On my <laughs> <laughs> and then, so you said... Max, so it would be once a month then? So is there like a lot of turnover then with the volunteers that are coming? Yeah. So it'd be like always yeah. new people, new languages to like take, yeah. try out. And, yeah, so yeah. Our, minimum, our minimum stay was usually three to four weeks. Okay. And then sometimes people would stay for longer, two, three months, sometimes long periods of time, almost a year okay. where they'd leave and come back and stuff like that. But yeah, there's a yeah. high rate of turnover. Oh, yeah. So yeah, just in so, terms so, of language opportunity. So Mac... What mm-hmm. happened after I left? Really, because it's been two years now, so I'm assuming there's been some progress. And then, obviously, we have COVID now. But what's what's yeah. what's like the update? Man, Cascada. man, it's well, we have a couple of new cabinas since you left that are um, that are just beautiful. Kind of, I don't know if you remember the big bamboo grove that was just kind of like down mm-hmm. the hill mm-hmm. from the lodge. Yeah, so we built a couple of cabinas there, so they're um, they're kind of amongst and overlooking these these like giant bamboo clumps or groves um those are beautiful my mom is actually building um a new kind of retreat house there which has a beautiful hexagonal um room with big like floor-to-ceiling windows overlooking the valley um it's gonna be it's gonna be amazing um we have had less success than I would like in in terms of growing food it's been really challenging because Alan you remember our our landscaper is so busy doing Mm -hmm. landscaping that he can't really focus on um on growing food and then we all and since we have such a high rate of turnover with our volunteers we never have somebody who can take that on as a project for long enough in order to really get our food production going so what are you what are you trying to grow um well, we were just trying to do greenhouse stuff mostly, so um, fresh veggies for the kitchen. Um, that's that's where we've been struggling the most. We have had lots of success actually with bananas and plantains. Um, we have hundreds of pineapples growing now, um, and we planted a lot of um, tiquisque and camote, which are Costa Rican sweet potatoes. Oh, nice. um, and a lot of this stuff takes like years before the production really starts going, but um, we've got the beginnings of a good food production. So maybe for those of us who haven't been there, 
Mm-hmm. What exactly is this so retreat is this about? <laughs> yeah. And where, and where, where, where exactly too in Costa Rica? It's we are 25 minutes up into the mountains from Dominical. Dominical is like a is a tiny but kind of popular um, surf and okay. beach town. Um, Pacific so side. On the yeah, on the South Pacific side. Thanks. Um, so we're 25 minutes up into the mountains from there. Um, it's a very hilly sort of mountainous uh, property that that we have with a giant like 180 foot waterfall there or in meters oh, it's yeah. almost 60 meters high um totally totally gorgeous some of its primary forest but most of it is secondary rainforest now it was 30 30 something years ago it was all almost all pasture land and then this guy um actually one american and two canadians um, bought the property and started reforesting it and they, they like maintain these beautiful tra- trails through the place. They wanted to build a retreat center, eventually never got around to it. So when mm-hmm. we got the land, it was just, it was just like a forest property with like lovely landscaping and different plantations of various kinds of trees and um, some medicinal plants and stuff like that. Um, so in the past, we've had it for almost four years. So we've just been, you know, we had to put in a road, build all the structures. Um, like I say, it's an eco retreat center. So we're doing everything sort of from a permaculture mindset, um, mm-hmm. really kind of natural building using ba- a lot of bamboo and wood. Um, kind of starting with really simple structures with open air um with an open air feel to, to sort of, to have that kind of immersed in the landscape feel rather than, you know, at a typical resort, you'll have the, the nature's out there and then you're uh, insular here, like sort of separated right. from that. We wanted more of an immersive experience. Um, and so we started out doing, um, like Marcus said, we were kind of more like a hostile vibe yeah. And then as we, as our accommodation started to get a little bit nicer, we we started to have more like regular vacation rentals and started to do retreats maybe right around the time that you left Marcus. And, um, <clears throat> and so we just keep building more accommodating structures to, to host retreats for the future. Yeah. Like it's really cool. If you have like um, a yoga pad overlooking mm-hmm. the the valley sort of and mm-hmm. it, like in the middle of the jungle and it's really cool yep. so you can go there and 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 work out or, or do yoga or or whatever right and then there's also a bunch exactly. there's a trail network yep. right? yeah yeah exactly has that has that been extended at all or or um we have some new trails yeah um okay our property isn't huge it's 28 acres so um but it's actually really mountainous so it feels almost twice that big um, so in hectares, that's like 11 hectares. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do, you can hike for hours just within our, our own, our own property, but we're getting to the point where we're about to max out of space. We, we do <laughs> right, have right, right. trails. But there, are tra- there are trails that go off your property as well, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. You There's can a neighboring... to that, to that uh, mountain. Yeah. Yeah. Our, one of the neighboring properties is also a reforestation project. Um, kind of the whole valley that we're in is very, um, 
a lot of it is ranch land. It was clear. A lot of that forest had been cleared in the early mid 20th century for, um, for cattle, for cattle raising for like McDonald's and stuff. Like there was a big hamburger, fast food hamburger boom. And so everybody started slashing their jungle and growing beef to, you know, to feed the U S. Um, and in recent decades, a lot of that land is now being reforested. Um, so the jungle is coming back and more, and the animals are coming back as well. So, and we, and we do have access to a neighbor's property, which is quite big where we can go hike through some of his. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. A bunch of monkeys. Yeah. Yeah. We do have, <laughs> we do have a big troop of monkeys, like 30 white. No monkeys. way. Yeah. That's so cool. yeah the, the, the cara, the cara blanca. Yeah. That's sick. Okay, so That's that sick. reminds me, uh, Marcus, I have a, actually have a question for you. Um, so when you went here, was this when you had your your big hike up that volcano? Because Th- like, that, that was after that was after this. Oh, okay. Because uh well I why don't you talk a little bit about that? Because that's something that's like um that's oh, really oh, boy. Like, fired because I, I want to go there now because it sounds like you had like a very spiritually enlightening experience like that sounds like something that i would totally want to do so why don't you mac mac have you hiked chiripo i haven't done it yet no dude it's an experience Uh, let me uh, tell you it's an experience so the thing is you it's it's very it's very well preserved so so if you want to hike it first of all it's obviously a national park and everything so you have to apply to hike it and there's only x amount of spots every day for 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 hikers so the thing is if you do it during the because you so mount chiripo it's the highest mountain between guatemala and colombia so it's okay. the tallest mountain in in costa rica it's right? a volcano and it's no it's not a volcano oh okay okay it's it's part of the cordillera the i'm blanking on the name but it's the, the cordillera that goes uh-huh. through central america yeah so it's in the middle, it's in the middle of the, the, the country, essentially, right? And it's ve- very well preserved, obviously, because Costa Rica, uh, they care very much about the environment because they've realized that, that, that um, there's so much ecotourism to Costa Rica. That's such a big part of their economy. So obviously, they want to preserve their, their, their biodiversity and, their, and uh-huh. their, their environment. So you have to apply to go hike this mountain. Now, when you get to the top of the mountain, you'd like to have a view, right? And the thing about if you know anything about the weather in Costa Rica, it's cloudy and rainy six months of the year or something like that. Maybe what, maybe it's what months more, were you from, there? From, from from July to December, it's it's super rainy, rainy and cloudy. Okay. Now I was there in September, which is the oh, worst okay. month. It's <laughs> the worst month. But the good thing is that you can get a nice, you can get a pass to go climb Chiripo because because um, there's no tourism essentially, or the, t- uh, the tourism is way down. Downtime. But if you but if you want to get a pass, if you want to get a uh, a pass to go climb Chiripo during the during the summer season, so January through May, it's basically impossible. You have to book it like mm-hmm. a year in advance. That's at least what I was told. So I was able to get a spot to to climb uh, a pass to climb Chiripo. And I remember it being pretty expensive too. It was probably around hundred dollars total, hundred dollars. But and and it's a two day thing. But the thing is, 
you don't you don't want to get stuck in a thunderstorm, right? But the the weather in Costa Rica allows you to to hike and climb in 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 the morning, right, Mac? That's correct, right? So it, it doesn't rain in the morning usually and yep. during the rain season. It only rains yeah. in the afternoon. So in the morning, you actually have a chance to get blue skies as well. But only in the in the very early hours of the day, right? So mm -hmm. right after right after Dawn. sunrise. Mm -hmm. So basically, this is what I did first. And it's a long hike as well. So it's I think it's 50 kilometers total, something like that sounds about right. So I hiked up the first day in the morning, I started super early. And then you have to hike up to a hut that's positioned maybe 10 kilometers or five kilometers from the peak. So I hiked up to the hut and I was there at noon. It took me probably seven hours just to do the initial hike. I was at the hut. I stayed at the hut and then it obviously started to rain and the weather got horrible after one, two, three PM, something like that. So I just stayed in the hut for the rest of the day and just waited. And this is what you do. I got up at 2 AM the next day. Right. And started hiking with a headlamp and everything. And it was perfect. So not a single, it was perfectly clear, not a single cloud in the sky. I could see the stars and everything. It was wow. a full moon as well. Nice. Right. So everything was, I barely needed my, my, uh, my headlamp right. barely because everything was illuminated. And, um, I started hiking. It's only a five, five kilometer hike. Right. And I got up to this peak and this peak is so freaking cool. It's, it's super pointy. Mm -hmm. So once you're at the top, you really feel like you're standing on like a pedestal wow. overlooking the entire world. Wow. And I was super lucky because, because obviously there was, there was no clouds or anything. It was, it was the perfect setting. It was a full moon and I got up there and, and obviously if you're looking I was up there an hour before sunrise because, because, you know, before sunrise, you can start seeing the sun coming up before you can actually see the sun. So you get this nice gradient of light that progressively grows. And then eventually the sun comes up. So I got mm. up there and you you're by yourself. See, you didn't go with and I'm by myself. No, no, I'm wow. by myself. I'm by myself. And, and I'm the only person up there because everyone else is up there for the sunrise, but I was up there yeah. an hour before the sunrise. Awesome. And, and that's when you want to be there because you want to see that gradient, right? So I could see the gradient when I got up. So it was very, it was very, it was kind of weak when I got up there, but you could sort of see that the sun is about to start coming up, right? And simultaneously, over, I'm overlooking the Caribbean, right? The Caribbean scene. And simultaneously, there's this fat lightning show <laughs> going on over the Caribbean. So I'm, I'm basically seeing the sun come up so like the nice red gradient yeah. with the lightning storm in the foreground and then or like in front of it and then in front of that i could see the because it was a full moon so everything was was illuminated so i could see the entire like the entire isthmus that's a hard word to say but i could see <laughs> the entire isthmus of of central america essentially um, curve its way down to Panama through Costa Rica. So I could see the entire Caribbean coast. Because you're at the highest around, point, right? I'm you're at the, the highest point. point. Yeah, yeah. You turned around, you can see the entire um, Pacific coast as well. You can uh -huh. essentially see the entire country. And it's the only place where you can do that in Costa Rica. So it, yeah. it was it was a remarkable moment. I just, I, and I just remember sitting up there and it was, it was complete. There was no wind or anything. So it was completely peaceful. 
as well. So I just remember sitting up there by myself for like an hour and being like, wow, this is the coolest moment of my life. <laughs> it was absolutely sick. And then when the sun came up and it started, it, 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 it shined on the mountain range as it like curved down to Panama. It just looked so cool as well. And then there's a nice sign up there that says Mount Chiripo. And uh, there's like a little um, Costa Rican Pura Vida flag as well. Pura Vida, nice. man. Pura Vida. But dude, nice. that, that was a sick experience. So if you have the time to do that, go do it because it's totally yeah. worth it. Man, that's amazing. You sold me on it. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah <laughs> it's absolutely sick. Super worth it. Anyway, um, what we were talking about before that. We're talking about uh, Cascada Elisiana. Yeah. So that, so that, so that's the name of the place, Cascada Elisiana, and yeah. that's named after the waterfall. Well, yeah, the the waterfall, as far as we could tell, didn't have a name, so we just came up with it. Um, we just came up with that name, um, and the idea was it's the word Elysian in English, like Elysian fields, the mm, you know mm-hmm. the Greek heaven. Yeah, with yeah. An, with an A at the end, so it's. Elysian with an A, Elysiana in Spanish. So it's like Heavenly Falls or something like that would be a translation. Right. And it, it and, and that's pretty close to, to the mountain as well. Because I remember I, so when you want to go to Chiripoyu from, from your place, you have mm-hmm. to first go to, to San Isidro. Uh, yep. We're kind of on right. the way from, from Dominical. Yeah. From yeah, Dominical so to San Isidro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's right on the way. So you go, it's, it's basically a straight shot. You go to San Isidro, which is mm-hmm. like the third biggest city in Costa Rica or something like that. Yeah, maybe uh, even the second. Mm-hmm. Second. Or third. Uh, no, I, I, think, I think Cartago is the second. I think that it's makes sense. San, that makes sense. Cartago and, and San Isidro. And yeah. then from San Isidro, you take a bus up, up the mountain, essentially, to the, to the trailhead. Cool. Um, awesome. Yeah. yeah. But Mac... Mac, I was going to ask you another question because because you essentially live in Costa Rica or you lived in Costa Rica permanently, right? Um, more or less. More, more or less, yeah. I'm still not more a resident less. there. It's a bit complicated unless you have you know enough dollar bills. <laughs> um, eventually, right, right. I'll, eventually I'll get there. But um, I'm still on a tourist visa. It's crazy. I mean, I'm a <laughs> I'm a landowner and a business owner, and <laughs> I'm on a tourist visa just like everybody else. So I get to go down there for 90 days and then I have to cross the border to Panama, get my stamp, you know, pay my taxes <laughs> and then come back for another 90 days. So that is so, that is so Pura Vida. I know. Pura Vida. <laughs> it is. So, um, so yeah, that's the deal. Someday I would like to be a resident so I don't have to deal with that anymore, but it'll probably be a number of years. So how is it living in Costa Rica as a gringo in terms of the, um, interactions with the locals it's Los ticos, Los ticos. the ticos, Los ticos are yeah the ticos are man they're such awesome people i just I, I love it i imagine they're so much more accepting of us than we are in the united states of of foreigners and man it's kind of it's inspiring heartwarming and also kind of heartbreaking you know that they're that they're treating us i think so much better than than we treat foreigners um in the states um and i don't i worry myself sometimes about taking advantage of that so i'm a bit conflicted sometimes about being you know the gringo coming down and like buying up land and building you know a business and stuff 
but without going into the politics and everything, I, yeah, I'll yeah. just stick with that. Um, but in terms of just culturally, it's it's so great because the area that we're in doesn't have a whole lot of um, a whole lot of North Americans there. So, um, which is what I wanted. There are communities throughout Costa Rica where there are just you know large pockets of of white people of English speaking North Americans and. Um, we were wanting more of an integrated experience in Costa Rica. So we are in a, we're in a valley that's mostly Ticos, which I, which I love. And so we've made some really, really good connections um, with people there, both in terms of friends and people that we're working with or working for us. Um, yeah, man, it's, it's great. I love being there. Yeah. It's, it's way more authentic your area than for example, Guanacaste. Yeah. So if you go to Guanacaste, sure. you're not going to hear any Spanish. Mm. It's essentially the of uh, um, a state, right? It's, it's like the 51st state. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, and um, it's all you know. You have resorts and you know high-rise hotels and stuff out there. And in in our area, it's very much like 20 years ago. There were no like paved roads there. There was no telephone right. there 20 years ago. So I mean, this place is really just starting to to develop. Um, and it, there's not much, there's not much of like a corporate infrastructure there at all. Like even when you go to San Isidro, the city there, there's hardly any international companies working there other than like cell phone companies and stuff like that. But, um, but it really is a place that hasn't yet been like engulfed by uh, the whole international business world and totally taken over by by gringos yet <laughs> so when you say you want a more integrated experience um do you mean that like the retreat is really close to a local village or there's like local people working there or like can you um, just go into a bit more detail on that yeah yeah i was referring really to to myself personally i wanted to be in an area that wasn't like overrun by by north americans um, and we are close to a teeny tiny village, like less than probably a hundred people, um, that is, you know, all, all Ticos. Um, but I didn't want to be in an area where we were going to be running into English speakers all the time. And like, that would be by default, that would become my community. I wanted my community to right. be Ticos. So, yeah, so that's what I meant. I wanted us to become more Tico rather yeah, than, yeah. Vice versa. Know. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, so what do, what do people down there think of like Guanacaste? Cause I remember, I remember I talked to someone, uh, in your community about me going there and I asked if they ever went there or not. And they said, no, we never go up there. I have never been because everyone has told me that everyone who knows me just says like, it's not your kind of place. Yeah. You won't like yeah. it. Don't go. And that is like you say, that's where most of the tourism is. And, um, yeah, it's just not my vibe. I wanted to go to Costa Rica for, for the jungle there. The first time I went there for a permaculture, actually the second time, but I went for a permaculture um, design course, this two-week course up high in the mountains, deep into the jungle and stuff. And the first time I really stepped into this, into this primary Costa Rican jungle, I was just kind of engulfed by this, I'm going to sound like really hippy-dippy, but there was just this I don't know, just this primal energy in that space. Mm. And I was like, whoa. I, and the <laughs> thought that came to mind was like, I'm home somehow. Right. It just felt so good to step into this thing that I could just 
you know, I could just, my body could tell this is just a really old kind of space. And it just felt really, I don't know, really healing for me. I felt really connected to that. And so I was like this, that's what I want to do. This is where I want to live. Yeah, so we spent, that's cool. Yeah, yeah that's so cool. I get that. I get that. I, I don't judge you for that. <laughs> <laughs> so how long have you been there now? Almost four years. We, we finally, we closed on the place January of 2017. So coming up, coming oh, up on yeah. four years. Wow. And, and did you speak Spanish before you went there? I did some, not great, but I could communicate just fine. By the time I went down there, I had spent, um, I'd been studying Spanish for about a year and spent three months in Spain in Cuenca. Do you know where? No, where's that? It's like two from Barcelona on your way to Madrid. I don't, I don't know if you'll go through Cuenca, but so if you're in, it's between Valencia and Madrid, right in the middle, high up in the mountains. Huh. What, what brought you there? Um, I wanted to have a, an exchange for, or a, a teaching English experience there so I could uh, teach English, live with a family, learn some Spanish, you know. So, um, yeah, funny, funny thing. Um, by the time I left there, I had a very kind of Madrid, Madrileño accent. <laughs> and so when I, then I went to Costa Rica and I got a lot of funny looks because all of these Ticos are like, what the fuck is this gringo doing speaking with a Spanish accent, you know? <laughs> so, el castellano, tío. El castellano, yeah, tío. Yeah, exactly. Saying all these Spanish words, you know, that they're like, what the hell is going on? Because they're, they're used to gringos who like hardly speak Spanish at all. You know, it's like a thick American accent. So anyway, I had to sort of adjust the way that I spoke just to not like turn people off. You know, it's funny. That's like the opposite of Marcus's experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm the complete opposite because I we, we hang out with a lot of Mexicans uh-huh. usually, especially in, one Mexican okay. <laughs> in, in Canada, in, in, in Canada, okay. in Canada, in Canada. So so I've adopted a, a Mexican demeanor every once in a while. And it's, it's <laughs> yeah. hard to <laughs> it's throw hard it for me to get rid of, it's hard to, <laughs> to throw it off. So so I've had I've gotten some funny remarks on that yeah. here yeah yeah it is funny <laughs> the spanish-speaking world is so diverse man i yeah, i know I, mm-hmm. I think spanish is you know more than english is really diverse too you know especially in the uk there are just so many different dialects and accents and vocabularies but i think spanish just really takes the cake yeah yeah but en- yeah. english isn't as fun that's my argument i, I feel like spanish yeah. is more fun yeah. you know yeah what's well, yeah spanish speak Speaking of like different Spanishes, like we were just watching the first talk yesterday at the Polygon conference. It was about uh, the differences in Spanish and how like actually Caribbean Spanish is one there's actually not a ton of resources for. Because, you know, people focus on like Mexican or like Spain Spanish, but it's like, yeah, there's this whole like swath of Spanish here that's like all the slangs and vocabs for like Caribbean Spanish. And then, yeah, mm-hmm. Central America is its own yeah thing too man so yeah 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 that's super fun to like uh, yeah i agree with marcus like it's so like just pick a country and you can just like dabble in their like their what do you call it realismos and uh yeah like their slang so yeah yeah in costa rica they call them dichos dichos those dichos yeah Uh, 
Yeah, they have, I mean, they, they basically have their own fucking language almost, at least <laughs> in terms of just, they, they just invent all kinds of crazy words. And oftentimes you can tell like that, that this is a totally invented word, you know what I mean? Because it doesn't sound Spanish somehow. Is there like Do you have an example of that? Yeah, or an example. Oh man, I shouldn't have said that. Cause no. <laughs> I, I know um, like the, I know like the Pura Via Mai and uh, uh, Ketuanes. That's a good one. Ketuanes. Yeah, Ketuanes. 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 Yeah, Every, everything yeah. is Tuanis. Yeah, those are, those are perfect examples. I mean, those don't sound like, Tuanis doesn't sound like a Spanish word, you know, and who, I have no idea where it came from, um, but they have, they have so many of those. And then also, so we've debated we've debated this before on the pod, but the pronunciation of Costa Rica, they don't roll their R's. Yeah, oh, they no, they don't. don't. They don't. No, they have like the little gringo accent when they say Costa Rica. Uh huh. Pura vida. Bienvenido a Costa Rica. Uh huh. Oh man, you know what? I'm gonna have to go back to Costa Rica because I don't because I went to Costa Rica, but that was a long time ago. I was 19 years old, and I went with my family for a vacation. Yeah. And um. I just started learning Spanish at that time. So um, maybe I didn't quite pick up on it, but um, I never noticed that. So I don't know. I'll have to go I, back and see it for myself. I didn't notice it for years until somebody pointed it out to me. I was like, what are you talking about? And they said, yeah, listen, they don't roll their R's. And then I heard someone say like, un carro. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> don't roll their R's. It's crazy. <laughs> But it doesn't sound That's as bad. Funny. Yeah, it doesn't sound as bad as I do when I don't roll the R. Somehow yeah. it sounds natural the way that they it do. It sounds natural. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I didn't pick up on it until two months in or something like that. Mm-hmm. Someone like pointed it out to me, like. Shit, dude! It might have been. Might have been you who pointed it out to me. I don't know, as far as I know. No, I don't know. I don't know. I was I was at your place in the beginning of my stay. Okay. Before so- I, my Spanish sucked. So Marcus, you were in Costa yeah, Rica for Colombia, then Marcus. Uh, so, so Mac, let me give you some some uh, historical context here. So, I I after I was at your place, I went over to the East Coast. I went to Puerto Viejo, mm-hmm. and I basically did the same thing. I I worked at a hostel there for a month or something. Cool. And first of all, so the so Costa Rica is cool as well because the East Coast and West Coast are completely different. Mm-hmm. The, the the west the pacific side is 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 very tico very pura vida mm-hmm. very um uh, it's 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 latin american it's mm-hmm. called latin american the caribbean side is like rastafari mm-hmm. oh, okay there, there there's a big black population and mm-hmm. um caribbean culture yeah as well. Actually, this is so, this is something that was really interesting that uh, Ian and I the, the talk that you mentioned about um, about Caribbean Spanish is that a lot of people when they think of that they think of like Cuba and Dominican Republic but it actually includes like every country that has a Caribbean coastline and it has uh, a lot more speakers and a lot the culture is a lot bigger than than you would think. Mm. Right, right, but it's still it's super touristy as well. Uh-huh. It's it's so where I was in Puerto Viejo it's like a little surfing village on on the caribbean side a bunch of tourists but um it's definitely a different it's definitely definitely a different group of people it's way more relaxed a lot cheaper a lot cheaper and not as like you don't see the big resorts at all Mm -hmm. so there's basically a bunch of surfer hostels that exist there Mm -hmm. so you get a bunch of younger people there's a younger crowd for sure 
but I was there and I realized after being there for a couple of weeks that um, I was practicing more German than Spanish. Wow. <laughs> There's a lot of Germans wow. in Central America. Yeah. So there basically are. at one point I was like, okay, I'm tired of, of white people and I'm tired of tourists and I'm tired of all this. I'm going to Colombia. If I want to learn Spanish, I need to go somewhere where people don't speak English mm-hmm. or German or, or anything else. So I, I booked a ticket essentially to, to Medellin. And I went there and I lived, I lived with a family. I did something similar to what you did, it sounds like, in Spain. Cool. So I lived in Medellin for a month. And that's when I really learned Spanish. Awesome. That's great. Right. So, I, so I'd say that the five or six, I think I spent six weeks in Colombia. Those were intense. <laughs> that's when I really and, accelerated. Yeah. And yeah, I, totally. you were in Medellin? You were in Medellin the whole time? Yeah. No. So I was in Medellin for probably three quarters of the time. And then after that, I took some time and just um, went through the countryside. Cool. I went to, to Cali and Bogota and a bunch of other San Agustin. Yeah. And the, the desert there, whatever it's called. I don't remember mm. exactly, but, but I just went around the country and checked it out. But when I left Costa Rica, I was, I could speak Spanish. Like I could communicate, I could understand. I mean, Colombia. Yeah, sorry. When I left Colombia and when after that, I went back to Europe, essentially. But I, I could speak and understand Spanish. So I'd say in those six weeks, I essentially went from not being able to communicate to being semi-pseudo fluent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man, I totally phenomenal. agree. I did the same experience twice in Germany and Mexico, right? And I swear, it's like it's like getting in a language rocket and just blasting yeah. off. Like it's so mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, right. It's amazing what you can learn when you have to. You yeah, right. yes. Yeah. So so after that, after I left Colombia, I was like, this this was so easy. This was so much easier. It was so much easier learning Spanish than I thought. Yeah. And so much more fun learning Spanish than I thought. That I was like, okay, first of all, I got to maintain this. Uh-huh. And keep learning and second of all i gotta do more i gotta yeah. i gotta learn more languages <laughs> was that your first romance language that was my first romance language yeah yeah awesome and then from there i'm really interested and- to hear about your your catalan um experience so far i'm i'm totally interested in catalan someday. okay all right so let's let's dive into catalan Quen- so, so first of all Quentinos. first of all after i did spanish i started doing french so I did the Pimsleur class. I did all the Pimsleur classes. And then Sick. then because yeah. we, we have a polyglot community in Calgary mm-hmm. with with meetings, weekly meetings where we mm-hmm. go and, and talk to each other in all these different languages. So I started going to those in, in French and I was able to become, again, semi pseudo fluent in, in French as well. Very, very. Now I haven't done French in a while. And I have a funny story from this weekend as well. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you group messages. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I went to France this weekend. But oh, cool. uh, so, so I essentially, I, I, I did French. Uh, I was able to have like a basic conversation, which I'm still able to have, but I just have to concentrate <laughs> to, to not throw in Spanish and Catalan words in there. That was, that was a little bit of a shit show. But <laughs> um, so, so now I'm here in Barcelona, right? So I'm doing an internship, I guess you can call it here, uh, for four months. And obviously me with my fascination with languages now um i i have to learn catalan to some extent right but so covid threw another wrench into the machinery here um 
because what I like to do when I go to places is to, to find these polyglot communities, right? And that's also a great way to, to get to know people Mm -hmm. as well, but those are all canceled now. Yeah. So they don't, they don't exist. So what I do is, and also another thing with learning Spanish, it's so easy to find resources like Pimsleur or there's a million other resources yeah. right for spanish because it's so common but in catalan that doesn't exist okay. right. a little more hunting no you gotta hunt more yeah. but what does exist and what is working for me pretty well is duolingo there's a duolingo from there spanish is. to catalan, yeah, there so is, catalan from from spanish and i'm I, I i was not a big fan of duolingo for for spanish because there are so many other good resources but for catalan it's actually pretty helpful awesome it's and- pretty helpful any other resources you found helpful for Catalan? You got your tutor, buddy. Uh, so, so I was going to go to that. Um, yeah. Well, so what I do, no, not a lot of good ones, mm. unfortunately, that I've found. So what I like to do, um, I, I love, I'm very aud- auditive, auditory. Auditory. Yeah. Listen. auditory. Auditory. I'm very auditory. I love to listen to, to Lang. I like, I, I need to listen to it. I can't just read it because right. then it's I don't important. understand how it sounds. That's like. important it's very, too. Reading and writing, preferably at the same time. Mm. Uh, reading and listening at the same time. Because then I see how it's reading and listening at the same time. Because, Absolutely. Because then I then I understand how it's how it's pronounced, mm-hmm. and I see how it's how it's spelled as well, and it's much easier. And that doesn't really exist for Catalan. The best thing you can find is Easy Catalan on YouTube. Do you know uh, what that mm-hmm. is? Easy Languages. Mm-mm. But there's not a lot of material. Okay. There are a few videos for it. There are a few videos, but there's not a lot. So I basically I went through all of them in one weekend. Right. So I'm basically doing that over and over again. But it's it's not great. So what I like to do as well, which I've talked about before on the pod, is that I do a lot of writing, and that's the best part. So I I try to write, and then I go and check myself with Google Translate because Google Translate oh, it works relatively well, Hmm. right? So I try to write, and then I go back and I. I correct it. I correct myself. So I do a lot of writing in Catalan from Spanish to Catalan translation, translate, translational stuff. Uh, oh yeah. So, so I'm learning Catalan from Spanish, right? Okay. So when I learned Spanish, I yes. learned it from English, but, yeah. but obviously when you're learning more Romance languages, it's easier to learn it from other Romance languages. Right. Right. So and, so, and linguistically Catalan is very similar to French as well. Right. So that's what people say. And and I think it's equally equal to French as Spanish. Yeah. Oh, like a hybrid almost. Weird, it's it's some weird hybrid like everything uh-huh. else. Yeah. And it's also close to, to Italian as well. Okay. That's what people say. It's just another Rome. It's it's just it's just another form of yep. vulgar they're, Latin, right? Right. So they're all yeah. they're all connected. They're all connected. So what I do a lot, obviously, because I love practicing. Like I have no I have no inhibition for, for talking to people. So I just walk around and talk to people. Mm-hmm. Like I go, cool. I go to the grocery store and I just start asking questions to the, to the girl in the register or, or lo que sea. Uh, and also in the lab. So right now I work in a lab and there's right now there's three other people. There's two people from, from, from here. And we, we essentially only speak Catalan or Spanish. We mm. try to speak Catalan. And then if it doesn't work, we go over to Spanish, right? And they're very helpful and they love it when you come here and try to try to learn Catalan because everyone comes here to learn Spanish. Right. But when I come here and I was like, and and I tell them like, no, no, no quiero hablar español. 
they get super excited. Marcus, yeah. Marcus, can you touch on that? Remember we had a little voice exchange the other day on WhatsApp about that tweet. If you were to try to speak Catalan to an only Castellano speaker, like, is that, have you had that encounter? Yeah, because there was Sorry. that guy that Alex Rawlings, big polyglot dude, who was like, they will look at you rudely if you speak Catalan to only Spanish speaker. But I know you're in Barcelona where it's... So I don't know how familiar you guys are with Spanish politics, but it's it's a very um, touchy. complicated, political, touchy situation here. So there, yeah. there's a lot of tension between uh, the Catalans and the, the people in the rest of Spain for the independence movement, essentially. So if you if you talk to... For example, let's let's take the 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 border police, for example. And this is it. This these are all anecdotes. But if you try to, to if you land in Barcelona and you try to speak Catalan to the border police or the police, the the federal police, yeah. the Guardia Civil at the airport, they're gonna get mad at you. Mm. Right? So it's it's very touchy like that. So Spain, the the central Castilla, uh-huh, they Castilla. don't like that they speak Catalan here mm. at all. So if you were to try to speak Catalan to one of them, they'd get pissed. Right. Damn. Right, right, right. That's at least how I understand it. Yeah. But but here, here it's they're very understanding and everyone's perfectly bilingual. It's way yeah. they're way more bilingual here than they are in Quebec. Way more. Mm. Um, because they're essentially perfect in, in Castellano and in Catalan. Perfect. Because right. people in Quebec are not perfect in English. Yeah, you Usually. you have a lot of Quebecers who hardly speak any English, right? Right, that like too. Out but, in the, but up the, north in the kind yeah, of the like outside of Montreal, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yes, but everyone in Montreal speaks English. Yeah, but they're not perfect. Right. No one's no one speaks perfect English, but here everyone speaks perfect yeah, Spanish flow. and perfect Catalan, and yeah. they they have no problem speaking Spanish with you. No problem. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, if you look touristy like like me. They speak to you in, in Spanish Castellano. automatically, in Castellano automatically. And sometimes I've done this a couple of times as well, where I stop them and, and I tell them to speak to me in Catalan. Wow. <laughs> and if they pick up and, pumped. Yeah, and they sure. get yeah. so happy as well. They yeah, get, they get super happy. Um, awesome. So, I mean, like they're, they're, they're very tolerant here in terms of, in terms of that. Meanwhile, in other parts of Spain, they're not to, to, to Catalan. That's what yeah. I've heard, at least. Yeah, that's fantastic. I dated a girl from Barcelona for a little while that I met at uh, Cascada Iliciana um, in Costa Rica. And um, yeah, she she tried to get me to learn just kind of on the spot, like, or at least to understand some Catalan. Um, yeah. And it was, re- it was really fun. She would start like speaking to me in Catalan kind of slowly. And I was amazed at the inter-intelligibility between uh-huh. the two. Like I was able to understand um, you know, a lot of it from the context of what she was saying, but, um, but it, it was cool. And then I picked up on some of those, some of those, like, um, I don't know what to call them, like the standard changes that you were talking about from, uh-huh. you know, facilmente to facilmen or whatever it is, yeah. you know, dropping the endings. It's like, yeah. okay, so there is a structured way that this is different. Just like, you know, all of those same words will be similar in Italian and be similar in, in French and in English, even in the same kind of way, you're just changing the ending. Mm-hmm. And that's for like, 
thousands and thousands of words will so follow much, those rules. So much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And so, mm-hmm. and so it was, it was just fun for me. Who's not like a native Spanish speaker. And she's speaking a, di- a totally different language and still being able to pick up on, on the meaning of what she was saying a lot of times. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really interesting. Like it's fairly easy to understand just like it's relatively easy to understand Portuguese. It's mm-hmm. kind of the same, mm. uh, but, but there's some, there's some weird, weird things. Let me tell you, for example, the, the pronouns here are a nightmare, nightmare. It's like they took the, the in, Catalan. in Catalan, it's like they took the way the pronouns work in French and the way pronouns work in Spanish uh-huh. and they use them at the same time. <laughs> can you I'm drop like, them in Catalan? Like you can in Spanish? Uh, yes. Pronoun? Okay, you can. you can. Right. Okay. You can, but I'm I'm talking about indirect object pronouns and and stuff oh, like okay. that is okay. what you know I'm talking about. Yeah, so yeah. you know, for example, in Spanish, you can say quitárselo. Uh huh. You can sort mm-hmm. of do that in Catalan too. Okay. But 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 sometimes they they put the the pronoun at the before the verb. Uh-huh. And sometimes they put it after. I haven't really figured it out yet. I have to okay. sit down and really think about it. Because <laughs> okay. It's, it's, it's well, very complicated. And that's possible also in Spanish too, right? Or are yeah, you yeah, talking yeah. about something different? No, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's sort of like Spanish, but then they do it. So if the verb starts with a vowel, then they cut out the pronoun and, and add, a, uh, add an apostrophe. Uh-huh. So Loma oh. is the man, Loma. Mm-hmm. Uh, L apostrophe H-O-M-N-E. Uh-huh. So that's French, like, that's like that's French. French as well. So yeah. they added the French system. I think uh, I think that's that's easier than what Ian and I are dealing with Korean right now. If when you're talking about pronouns, then you say like, "What?" Yeah, is that, that's because oh they just don't exist in Korean, and like that's something Cody, that I are both really struggling with right now. Cody, is that was it you that told me that it's only like Indo-European languages that have pronouns? No, that's not. Somebody tell me. No, that. it's articles we were talking about. I I told you that. Oh, okay. I told that only. Or Marcus in, told in, you that. I, I heard on. Yeah, on you told us that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only Indo-European languages have articles, apparently. Wow. And, and articles. Definite, right. Definite articles. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Man, you guys are learning Korean. Insane. <laughs> so 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 yeah. so Mac, this is how it works here. So I'm all about the Romance languages and Indo-European yeah. languages, right? Yeah, that's that's too. all I really care about. But the the boys here, especially Cody, Cody speaks Mandarin, uh, Korean, and now he's going for the perfect trifecta Japanese. Oh my god! Right? Wow! And not the, yet. And not then yet. you will be. You will be. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Ian speaks. Ian speaks a little bit of everything. <laughs> wow! Double. Double nation represent. <laughs> so, so both of these guys are teachers. Cody teaches online, and Ian teaches. He's a high school teacher. Yeah. Uh, French and Spanish. Cool. May we? Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. May we? And and Cody does a little bit of everything online. Cool. That's Looks awesome. English. I think Japanese said. would probably be the only non-Indo-European language that I would be interested in. Why is, Why is that? Why is that? Why Japanese? I, I love. I just love the way the Japanese sounds, and I guess yeah. I'm more interested in the culture than yeah. pretty much any other a- Asian um, culture. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm almost exclusively interested in Romance languages, except for German. Right. Um, okay. I'm interested yeah. in, and um, yeah, German and Japanese. I guess outside of Romance languages. Yeah. And I don't know that I will ever get around to learning any Japanese, but I do feel pretty confident that eventually I'll be um 
some at some point I'll I'll commit to like becoming semi fluent in Italian and German and maybe right. Portuguese or something like that. So do yeah. do you have any language plans to to realize that? So I just um well I'm applying for um well for the second year in a row I'm applying for a master's program in France. So um my plan is once I once I get to France, then I'll be like immersed in a, in the, in a European setting, European culture. And then I'll just sort of naturally be more motivated to turn my attention towards either German or Italian, something like that. But, um, in the past few years, I've been, you know, just really focusing on building Cascade Liciana. I'm also a, a radical honesty trainer now, which basically I just do workshops for people. So I'm, I'm focusing a lot of my energy on that, but it's some, at some point, I would like to be splitting my time between Europe and Cascada Liciana in Costa Rica. And, um, and while I'm in Europe, I think I'll really shift my attention to, to picking up some new languages. Awesome. Nice. That's, that's kind of what I want to do, too. So where are you applying to? Um, I didn't want to apply to any Parisian universities. I'm kind of... I'm kind of like burnt out on the big city life at this point. I love being in small towns and rural environments. I love being in Costa Rica in the jungle, just away from everything. So I'm, a, I'm finding like the smallest town universities in France and applying to, to those yeah. programs there. And one of the, one of the ones that I liked the most was in, in Metz, which is like less than an hour from, from Germany. So there's a lot of like, there's already a lot of German people there. And so I'm kind of already fantasizing about if I end up there, then you know, probably <laughs> German is what I'll start learning. Or if I end up in, on the, on the Ivory, not Ivory Coast, the, um, the <laughs> what is it called in France? The, the, the Côte, Côte d'Azur? Côte d'Azur, yeah. Like it. the French but, Riviera? French Riviera, yeah. So if I end up down there, then it might be Italian or something that I would. To like Marseille. Yeah, exactly. Something, but that's a big city, so you don't want that. There, hey, there's there's a place. What's it called? Perpignan. Perpignan. Yes, it's uh -huh. in France, mm. but it's it's in um, it's in North Catalonia, right? Uh -huh. So they speak Catalan there. Yeah. It's right on the border to Spain. Okay. All right. It's like cool. a small medieval place. I really want to go awesome. up there. I think I'm going to rent a car and drive up there some weekend. Cool. But yeah, maybe that's. Maybe that could be something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as well, yeah. Full so, immersion, yeah. man. That's the way to do it. Yeah, that's where it's at. Otherwise, I just feel you know some kind of disconnected. Like if I'm in the states or if I'm in you know Costa Rica or something like that, and learning like Italian or German, and mm. there aren't any speakers of that around, and then it's feel like eh, I'm less motivated to do it. You know, when I could be focusing my energy on speaking Spanish with the with the Spanish people there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, Mac, just sort of on the, you mentioned the States. I'm always curious because like, like here in my class, I got like a flags of all the Spanish countries and stuff, but the States I find fascinating because all mm. like demographic projections, uh, like, I think 2050 is one of those, the facts, the stats they put out right now that the States will have the most Spanish speakers. So I'm just mm. curious, even in Texas, like your state right now, like, is there just more and more ample opportunity to like be interacting with Hispanics and totally like one's own cult, like Spanish knowledge? Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially in, so 
I've mostly lived in Austin, Texas, and uh-huh. Los Angeles, California in the past 20 years. Right. And so, um, and both of those cities have huge Hispanic communities. Yeah. So I have found more and more opportunities to do that. And really, I've only spoken Spanish for the past five years, maybe. Okay, right. Um, but yeah, definitely, I find more and more opportunity. It's a bit delicate sometimes with um, being a white person speaking Spanish in the United States, because a lot of a lot of Hispanics, I've noticed, kind of take offense to that. Like if you try to speak oh, Spanish really? with them. Yeah, right. Okay. It's like oh, you just assume that I can't speak English sort uh-huh, of thing. Okay, yeah, yeah, which, yeah. Which I totally get because as a gringo living in Costa Rica, when, when Ticos try to speak English to me, I'm the same way. I get kind of offended. Yeah, yeah like, I know that feeling. It's that language yeah, etiquette. So annoying. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Okay. But the way, okay. the way to kind of, you know, everybody's different. And so I'd usually try to preface with, oh, hey, can I practice my Spanish? Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Treat then they'll like either that. be like, oh, sure, great. Or they'll be like, no, and they'll just speak in English. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I just find it fascinating because like it's because each like the states, like Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, mm-hmm. California, like our buddy AJ close to Mexicali, like it's like its own country is almost like we like I teach so much about like Spanish speaking countries, but I'm always like trying to incorporate more and more about like the states, like Florida. You talk so much about like Cuba and yeah, everything. So yeah, okay, that's fascinating. Yeah, it's unfortunate that there used to be huge French speaking community in Louisiana, yeah, yes. in New Orleans, yeah, yeah. generations ago, but now it's almost completely lost at this point. So there yeah. are very few places in the United States where where people speak French anymore. And the right. same with German speaking communities, you know, generations ago, there used to be yeah. like, big German speak. We have lots of like little pockets of communities where everything has German names and stuff, but all of that's been lost. Okay. Yeah, there's actually a fun little fact about German in the United States. I think um, sometime in the 19th century, there was there were they were doing a vote on like what the official language of yes, yes. the United States should be. And it, it was it like just by a hair, English won over German. Wow, I'd never heard yeah, that. Yeah, Man. I think that was even earlier, Kodo. I think that might have been like with Benjamin Franklin. Maybe, um, yeah. But um, yeah. Uh, for some reason, it didn't end up penning because the United States doesn't have an official language even to this day. Correct. Yeah, correct. yeah that's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's Wait, cool. it doesn't? No, you didn't not know that? Of, not officially. Oh, I had no idea. Well, there you yeah. go. You learned something new today. But yeah. uh, No, because I think the reason they were going to maybe because they just re- they just kicked out the English, right? like why would we just speak the English? why would we speak the language of the people we just like kick booted out that's why yeah that's why german was uh, german gotcha. was in contention yeah but, yeah that makes, super that makes sense. oh another kind of fun fact uh that i want to mention earlier speaking of the the caribbean coast of costa rica you know going back yeah. to the cultural diversity there and everything yeah and kind of speaking to the linguistic diversity in costa rica there is a there is a community of mennonites who live uh, okay. in if so Mennonites would be uh, like um, they're kind of like Amish. Yeah. Yeah. And so <clears throat> you'll see them at the farmers market selling their wares and they make like really good, you know, like butter and like dairy products and stuff like that. Right. So they are, I think they've been there since like 
the 17th century or yeah. something like that. There's about a thousand of them still living there in this wow. really insular community. Yeah. They, they are the only extant community in the world that still uses the thou form of the English language. Oh, they wow. speak English. They speak English. Yeah. Ah, okay. And they still say <laughs> thou. thou. That's crazy. Yeah. Our old That's usted. Sweet. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Or no, it's our old, our or old you is usted and thou oh. is to thou is oh the, is gotcha the familiar yeah. right, right right the familiar right yeah yeah sorry okay yeah okay it sounds cause... very formal to our ears now because we don't <laughs> we only... yeah 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 it's like shakespearean right right yeah. but it's actually it's actually the familiar so if you look at um <sighs> romeo and juliet yeah they're talking in the familiar thou art God, blah, blah, blah. yes yes right he's being familiar with her Mm-hmm. okay okay yeah oh, that's, that's funny because interesting I have no idea. nicaragua has because that's where that's country i know well mm-hmm. i've been a couple times and they have because on the east coast uh a mennonite community as well um i forget and then because they're kind of integrated with uh so the big indigenous group in nicaragua is the mosquito i don't know if, i don't think there's any in costa rica but like mm-hmm. honduras and uh nicaragua and they've kind of I know that Mennonite community kind of integrated in certain towns, like like missionary um, mm-hmm. uh, like settlements initially. So yeah, because when I went to the East Coast of Nicaragua, where like Mosquito is the main language, Spanish is secondary. Um, yeah, there was you could like just the churches there. It was the old Mennonite churches there. So mm. that's that cool. makes sense that they made it down to Costa Rica there too. Yeah, so. yeah. Also, I, I think it's fascinating. I think it's really interesting that you brought up Amish because um, I don't know how it is in the States, but here in, or even in the rest of Canada, but at least in Western Canada, um, when it comes to like religious colonies here, we actually don't even have Amish. It's, we have either Mennonites or Hutterites. Hutterites. Yeah. Hmm. Hutterites. Who speak a German to this oh, day? Yeah, like this oh, Canada. Yeah. Here in Alberta, like my school division has a bunch of uh, colony schools uh-huh. and Germans, like the first language in lots of it- those. And is it their own dialect of German? Yeah, or? oh yeah, yeah. Right, for sure. It's a dialect now. Yeah, I yeah. think I've I think I've come across that on the web somewhere. Yeah, that's okay. really cool. Yeah, so it's yeah, it's interesting because you you always think like okay, there's like the main English language, but there's just these pockets. Of yeah, totally. Yep. In so many spots. Yep, and in, yeah, in, but- in Costa, back to Costa Rica, there are there are like lots of indigenous tribes, you know, that still speak like only their. You yeah know, okay tribal language and there's only a few hundred people who speak that language you know yeah it's kind of man that's just got to be insane most languages in the world are like that right it's kind of oh yeah historically it. right yeah. yeah yeah oh yeah it's like seven thousand languages oh yeah yeah <laughs> jesus <laughs> yeah but uh so going back marcus you mentioned like the rastafarian in costa rica yeah I- I think that's a little. I don't know if it's actually. I don't. I don't know if it's actually Rastafari. I. I, I okay, don't but really it's an African population because, like, it's, yeah, Caribbean. Okay, in, a lot yes. of people. A lot of people came from Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Okay, because there's a really interesting group in Honduras, actually, um, in the north, the Garifuna, they're called, or they have a fascinating story. Like they were like shipwrecked off this one island, like initially like a slave population, then they came over. Like they landed on the northern coast of uh, Honduras and Garifuna is their language. Like one of those ones, yeah, impossible to find resources for. But 
Yeah, I didn't know. I know they kind of migrated down to Nicaragua too, but I didn't know if that would be the same uh, in Costa Rica there. But it's all about resources, man. Like it, it must be so hard to learn these small languages without having any resources. Yeah. Like I said, like you got to hunt. You got to is so useful. It, yeah, it's and incredible. and Duolingo, even Duolingo, is so useful. Yeah. Mm. I, yeah, I wonder. I used Duolingo years ago and wasn't terribly impressed with it. I wonder if they've if they've stepped up their game a little bit or if I just have high standards because Pimsleur. You have high standards probably. No, Duolingo is <laughs> not, it's, it's not, it's compared to Pimsleur. It's, it's not great, but it, it, yeah. it, it is helpful. It's a starter tool. It's a starter yeah. tool. It is yeah, helpful. Yeah. And just to learn simple stuff and get to kind of know, get to get to know the structure of the language. And it's really yeah. good too, if you can also listen yeah. because mm-hmm. the pronunciation is, is pretty good. So, so that's an example of where you can read and listen at the same time and mm-hmm. even write. So yep. you get everything except speaking, I guess. Yeah. Man. So I don't know. I, I, I initially had, I shared your opinion when I learned Spanish. I thought it was a waste of time essentially, mm-hmm. but right now I'm finding it pretty valuable. Cool. Yeah. If that's all you got, then I'm sure it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> But, but if it, I've, I'm really getting, cause I'm so spoiled with Spanish and French because there's mm-hmm. so many resources. Yeah. So it, it's, it's a lot easier to learn a language when there's good mm-hmm. material, right? Good resources. Yeah. But with Catalan, it's just not the same. And I can just imagine with a smaller language as well, it, it must be as, essentially impossible. Totally. Imagine, imagine like travelers and stuff going and meeting c- communities for the first time and then trying to figure out the language on their own with zero resources, you know? I, and, that's and a like, dream, actually, I have. Really? One day. Because, yeah, they're like oh a field God. linguist. You'd have to do like how do field linguists right. do it, right? Yeah, like yeah. They just go off and then... It's going to be a years-long years process to, to yeah, yeah, dissect but, that and spell it out. Right. I'm just fascinated by the process. Like, you just went and you like point to a rock, and like whatever they said you'd repeat that and then like point right. to something else and just slowly, slowly accumulate, accumulate. I think it would be fat, like a, just a fascinating experience. Like, yeah, no prior knowledge of the language, uh-huh. no resources, nothing. So yeah, like that yeah. would be a full on adventure. Linguistic. Yeah, adventure. totally. Yeah. Have you studied linguistics, Ian? I'm not, not dab- dabbling <laughs> again. Like I, t- yeah. I had to take a few in my Spanish major in university. I think I took uh-huh. a Spanish linguistics, which to be, totally honest i wasn't like absolutely psyched on like yeah learning the uh international phonetic alphabet and uh, which would probably help world. actually to know that more but i just i don't know it's too scientific probably Mar- uh-huh. marcus might be something for you man. i'd probably like that yeah 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 but um but yeah guys- it could help to know a little bit of like linguistics yeah have any of you guys ever dabbled in like one of the invented languages like Esperanto. Like <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of course. <laughs> I love dabbling, man. And speaking of tying this to so this uh, polyglot conferences, it was supposed uh-huh. to be happening in Cholula, Mexico. I was going to take like some PD days and go down and like, I had a huge plan this year, but then 2020, right. Everyone's story. It's, right. all, it's all online. And uh, at these conferences, like in real life, you meet quite the characters uh, uh-huh. like, 
all over the spectrum in terms of like what they're interested for languages and right and uh this one in uh, montreal actually langfest so um there was a few guys that spoke klingon they got the guy that invented klingon to give a, to give wow. a guest lecture and do you have, have you watched game of thrones yeah okay yeah i'm, I'm not even a big game game of thrones guys but we met the guy super cool uh, hi Valerian, we met the guy that uh, wrote Dothraki. Oh, he oh gave man. a talk, man. Oh my God. He gave a talk. And we're like, we got our picture with him and stuff. And like he was talking, going back to like articles. He's like, he was debating, should you have articles in a language or a cases? Uh-huh. And like any of us that have learned like a, like a Slavic language, like cases, cases are like death to start. Like cases suck. Like I hate uh-huh. them. Kind of yeah. used to him, but he, this guy, he was like, he was like total anti articles. He's like, nah, like take cases you want to do articles we had like a vote and stuff but Amazing. he was like yeah he's a linguist and he like yeah game of thrones hired him to write dothra dothraki and uh we like i only know one phrase to this day it was hajas which is like cheers or like <laughs> so we were just all around once we were out partying and stuff with the like me a couple buddies that i want to have on the pot here we'd just be like hajas yeah <laughs> That was like the rally call. <laughs> nice. Yeah, man. These invented languages, like, why not? Like, people are all into types of weird hobbies and stuff. Like, uh-huh. right. And like Esperanto has its whole like historical, political, like history and stuff. But sure. Like, Valerian, Klingon. Uh, there's a bunch. Yeah. Lord of yeah. the Rings has got a bunch of languages. Lord of the Rings, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Man. Well, it must be fun too when there's only like you know there's 50 people in the world <laughs> yeah, that can man. kind of speak this thing and you're like oh my god this is- yo right right uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> yeah mac the polyglot community is pretty sick yeah cool like these these conferences i haven't been one i haven't been to one in person but they seem to be really really cool i know ian awesome. went to one too right you've been to yeah. two, no? two in person and two in person this is the second one online this and it's this 10 day one Okay. And how many people attended? It seems like this is like uh, it's it's blowing growing. up. It's really yeah. growing. So when I went 2017 to Bratislava, Slovakia, mm-hmm. uh, I want to say there's like 500 or so participants. Mm-hmm. And then I, like, I follow it. Even when I can't attend, I follow it closely because they put it all the videos on YouTube. And it was like, I think the year after it was like 600 and then the year after it was 700. So it's, it's growing like because people just start talking to each other yeah. like, like they really just started like the first main one of these polyglot events was like 2013 wow uh, so it's the pretty young still like in terms of like the conferences yeah um, so i can only imagine what the next decade is going to look like i think it's going to really boom yeah awesome boom. and it's so much more accessible now because of because of the, the internet, internet you know yeah. It's just amazing the resources, <laughs> like we just keep saying, the resources that are available for so for so many languages now. Yeah. So it's not just exactly. like people with tons of money and connected no, to that, universities who can exactly. Do yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, yeah, even the definitely. founder of Duolingo, he's Guatemalan and his mm. whole thing was like, Yeah, I just want to make education accessible for mm-hmm. cheap as possible. Yeah. Right. It's definitely what I was going to say. It's definitely easier to learn a language now than than 50 years ago. Oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah, for Absolutely. sure. And and it's just getting easier, I guess. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, yeah. if COVID ends. <laughs> yeah. Oh, geez, yeah. Actually, there's a, Steve Kaufman. Um, he has a talk. I haven't watched it yet at the Polygon conference. And his talk is about basically learning today languages back in his day because he was learning like the 60s and the 70s. Mm. Like 
full bore. So yeah, yeah, like just totally technologies the game mm-hmm. changer for sure. Totally. So. Well, and I'm you know we just keep singing the praises of Pimsleur, but that was that was created back in the '60s, man. It was right. Yeah, yeah. Incredible. Totally. The program that that they that they were coming up with, and some of the defense programs too were had like a similar like audio program. Of course, you hadn't need like a magnetoscope or whatever the hell to like listen to the tapes back yeah, in the day. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or another good one, it, you could tell it's old if you just search up Foreign Service Institute. Yep. And oh, uh, yeah. FSI. Yeah. FSI, man. Like, like will you listen to the audio on those bad boys? And it's like, whoa, like this is like sounds like some old radio program. Totally. But, but I uh, spent I spent so many hours with the FSI French program. Okay. It's hardcore. Yeah, and it's yeah man. Good. Like I'm a diplomat now. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's sick. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully, when when COVID gets off or goes away, then then I'm definitely gonna keep going to to more of these conferences and and meetups and and polyglot gatherings and yeah, whatever. It's just it's just such a good tool because you know me, I'm I'm always all over the globe, and it's and it's such a great way to to meet people in new places. Dude, like for example, what I did this week, and I was up with with a couple of my friends here in, yeah. in, um, in a mountain village. And I, I wouldn't have been able to connect with those guys if I didn't speak Spanish and didn't mm-hmm. have that fascination for, for culture and Catalan and, and whatever. So it really opens up a lot of opportunities, social yeah. opportunities. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, man, you guys are inspiring me to like, you know, you're <laughs> yeah, man. That, that language inspiration in me. Cause I haven't God, been... man. Yeah. Yeah. I used to spend hours a day, you know, studying and lately I haven't, haven't been into it so much. So now I feel like invigorated. (laughs) And like what you said before, like a lot of people say, Oh, I haven't, I haven't studied Spanish in years. I probably can't speak any Spanish. I'm so Mm -hmm. rusty. It would take forever to to pick it It up again. That's not true because it's still there. It's somewhere deep in your brain. It's in, it's hiding there under yeah under a little rock absolutely (laughs) something i don't know it's it's still in there and and you just have to spend a little bit of time and a little bit of effort and it'll come back totally and once it does then it feels so good that you're encouraged to do it to do it again or to keep it up yeah yeah yes exactly exactly but it's the motivation is is um it fluctuates right Mm-hmm. So every once in a while, like right now, I'm I'm on a I'm on a peak, a motivational peak, mm-hmm. <laughs> right where I'm just so stoked to be in a, a foreign <laughs> environment. Yeah. So so I'm like I'm I'm going at it 24/7. So like I'm in the lab, I'm listening to a podcast or something. Yeah. Right. And then I come home and and um, I'm taking these italki classes right now. Do you know what italki uh, is? I've heard italki, of it. And I don't great. remember. Yeah. Well, it's is- fantastic. So that's that's what Cody does as well. Our Cody boy teaches Cody's on italki, on but it's it's essentially a platform where where people all over the world can offer their language tutoring services. Uh huh. Okay. So you can you can and there's hundreds and probably thousands of teachers. You can just go through and and, and find the teachers that that you like that mm-hmm. that that uh, work well with you, and and it costs like fifteen dollars an hour. For a private lesson or for, for a private lesson for a private lesson and it's know. so good because you know when you pay someone 
to 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 tutor you essentially they take you uh -huh. very seriously yeah and and every time you make an error or something they stop you and then they say okay there's there's another way of saying that there's a better way of saying that or or yeah. you have to use the the subjuntivo aquí or yeah, or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, it's it's really good. It's it's really really good. And it's a lot better than because when you you know when you when you're with your friends, they're not going to stop you and 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 tutor yeah. you in, in the language. That's not going to happen. Yeah. But yeah. it's really good to have a, a language coach coach like this, and it's also so affordable for, affordable yeah. as well. So you can afford to take a couple classes. Like I try to take two classes a week: one in Catalan and one in Castellano. And I mean that's thirty bucks. Yeah, that sounds deal. great like you say that is so affordable and like i used to do language exchange you know we spend half an hour doing english half an hour doing spanish for example something like that and um and that's great but at after a while it's like you know what i really want to get like more uh -huh. i want a more concentrated experience i don't really want to teach the english bit, right. you know? yeah that's that's, that's yeah. the biggest yeah. problem with language exchanges that's been yeah. my experience with language exchanges for sure and i've i've also been taking my my own classes on italk uh -huh. Like as a yeah. student, when you just have like that that constant stream of uh, information mm -hmm. and uh -huh. constantly getting corrected, you're being told new things. Like it's just it's a way different experience than like having a a language exchange with just like some random person. Yeah, mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. So I can totally recommend it. Yeah, man. Awesome. So it's, it's great. So, All right, guys, we're pushing doing, boys? an hour and a half. Nice. How are we feeling? Good time, good time. I think it's yeah. a good place to end it. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah I got it. It's it's eight 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 thirty here in, in Barcelona. I got it. Oh, yeah, man. It's getting oh, wow. late, dude. Yeah, late -ish. yeah. This is yeah. A blast, no, I did. Hey, yeah, yeah, it's man. been fun. Thank you. It's man. been fun, Mac. So, uh, thank you so much for for coming on. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. It's been yeah. Yeah, no worries. Uh, I I knew you day. were going to be a thanks. great guest. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So <laughs> right, thanks. Um, yeah, cool, and man. anything, any last words, boys? Uh, no, man. Thanks for coming on episode thirteen, episode fourteen, episode 13. talking about the Polyglot Conference. And uh, should we do the whole like subscribe to us, give us some ratings on Apple, on any of the listeners? I think we're at that point. We got to start asking. Yeah, do it, dude. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, rating, give us some, give us some love, and uh, yeah, and uh, I think we already got. I put a, like an intro to us in the Polyglot Conference, and this lady replied back. She's like, "Oh, I'm a big fan." And stuff. And so cool. uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, man. Do it. <laughs> awesome. Get it. Sick. Oh. Gotta do the shameless plugging. Shameless plug. Shameless plug. <laughs> awesome. Cool. All right, guys. All right, man. Pura Peace vida. Out. Pura vida. All right. Take care of you guys. Thanks, man. Pura vida.